following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. There are two readings this morning. The first comes from Psalm 147. Psalm 147, reading from verse 1 to verse 7. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and he gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. Our second reading comes from Luke 10, verses 1 to 9. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eat and drink whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those there who are ill and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, give us open eyes and open ears, open hearts and open minds, that we might hear from your word today. Amen. Good morning. I'm terribly sorry, I've just got a phone call coming in. Give me a moment. Hello, who's this? Luke. Luke the Evangelist. How good to hear from you. How are you? Getting on a bit, yes, I imagine. You know, it's funny to hear from you right now because you won't believe it, but I'm just about to preach on your gospel. It's the day when we remember you. We still read your books, you know. In fact, we just read right here in church from your gospel. 
All of it? No, no, we didn't read all of it, just nine verses. What do you mean that's not a good idea? Well, I was just about to explain how we shouldn't carry a purse or a bag or greet anyone on the road unless we are two meters away and wearing a mask. You mean that wasn't supposed to be a rule forever? What, not even the bit about sandals? Well, I'm, I'm sorry you're disappointed we only read nine verses. Listen, I'm going to have to go. I've got a church here waiting for a sermon, and we've got people online too. It doesn't look like they're all waiting for a sermon. But anyway, uh, it's great to hear from you, and uh, look forward to hearing more from you. Yeah, yes, more than nine verses. Okay, bye. Sorry about that. There's really no pleasing some gospel writers, is there? I'm just going to take out the bit about sandals. Well, good morning. Today we join with the church around the world in remembering Luke. Luke the evangelist, which in this case means Luke the gospel writer. One way we remember him is by reading from his gospel, though evidently not enough of it in his opinion. And the reading that is set for today is the one about going out as God's workers into his harvest field, two by two, spreading peace, eating and drinking, there's quite a lot of that going on, healing people and telling people that the kingdom of God has come near to them. And the reason that this reading is set to help us celebrate Luke and his gospel, I think, is because it points us to the heart of the good news that Luke wants to share with all his readers. So the first thing I want to say about Luke and about his gospel, and thus also about the reading here in front of us today, is that this is good news. Luke is called evangelist because the word evangelist comes from the Greek that means bringer of good news. And his book is called a gospel because the word gospel comes from the old English godspiel or the news or story about God. You could say the word gospel literally means God news. And that's also good news. And today's reading ended with the people Jesus sent out proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come near to you, which is you guessed it, good news. Well, I labor this point a bit because, is it just me? It doesn't shape up in this passage as if it's going to be all that encouraging. Jesus opens by calling lots of people together and saying the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and saying that we should ask the Lord of the harvest, God, to send out workers, like lambs among wolves. Call me a pessimist. But that doesn't sound all that upbeat on a first hearing. Then comes the bit about not taking stuff with you. I'm just going to skip the bit about sandals here. And the rather unexpected, do not greet anyone on the road. Not as if Luke is British and thinks that you should keep yourself to yourself but probably because the point is not to get distracted and to press on to the houses that are the real destination in the next verse. Sisters and brothers, it's not hard to imagine a sermon that harangues us 
for not getting out enough and knocking on enough doors and basically not being dedicated or working hard enough to bring in the kingdom of God. In fact, I have just such a sermon on file that I preached many years ago, back when I was young and I knew everything. And one thing that strikes me about that now is that I somehow missed that it was all supposed to be good news. So read with me in Luke 10, a part of the good news according to Luke that never misses a chance to emphasize that what is happening here is that God is on the move and it is our privilege to join in rather than our burden to try to conjure up the kingdom of God out of our own efforts. First, verse 1, we are not alone. The Lord appoints lots of people to do this work. And not alone, but two by two, just like the animals went into the ark together. So we go out into God's work together. Luke doesn't stop to explain here that this is because we are always doing what we do as part of the church. He decides to hold that back for a second book where he will explore that at great length. But look at how he says that there are 72 of them. Or is it 70? I checked across different translations. And there are definitely 70 or 72. We have records of Luke using both figures, and either one seems to be symbolic. Is it significant that when the book of Genesis listed the nations of the ancient world, this is way back in Genesis chapter 10, there were, depending on how you count the list, 70 or 72 of them? And is it significant? that when the Spirit was poured out on the Israelite camp in the book of Numbers, there were 70 of them plus a couple of extras, Eldad and Medad, that made it 72. So is it that when Luke writes 70, or is it 72 here, it can suggest to us that this number always points to God generously spreading his blessing out to more people than we can count or than we expect. Then the places they are sent are the places where Jesus is about to go himself, rather than unknown territory. And likewise, did you notice this little detail? The destination to which the Lord of the harvest is sending people is not the harvest field, but his harvest field. The 72, or 70, are being sent into a world that is already God's. True, there are wolves out there. And what are they doing in God's field? This reminds me of another parable Jesus told about the wheat and the weeds or the tares that grow up together in the field. Maybe it just underlines for us that for whatever unexplained reason, God has not created a world in which everything ends up carrying on just fine but rather a world in which real good comes up against real evil. And finally here, note the tone of all the things that the 70 or the 72 are involved in along the way. Pronouncing peace upon the houses that they visit, 
staying to eat and drink, bringing healing to those who are ill. Luke does not stop to give details about how they were to do all this, so neither will I. But what Luke does seem to want to emphasize is that it is a great task, a really positive experience to be involved in. Well, in the interests of full disclosure, a few verses after our reading, there are some more difficult and confrontational things going on. But I think the way they are put, it's Jesus himself who is having the confrontation with those who reject peace. And we do get caught up in it. But Jesus is the one who starts talking directly to the unresponsive, unreceptive towns rather than to the 72. And if you look further down to verse 17, uh, we read that they returned with joy. So yes, I still want to stand by the claim that Luke is determined to depict this project as good news for those involved in sharing it as well as good news for those who receive it. Good news for those who share it, as well as good news for those who receive it. The disciples in this picture are like teenagers hanging round the house, bored on a summer afternoon. And the parents who get to play the role of God in this comparison, so don't let it go to your heads, they say, why don't you go out with your friends and start up a ball game in the park? Wave them off, thinking, there they go, like lambs among wolves. And they come back later that afternoon really, really happy, because it turned out, amazingly enough, that the parents knew better than they did what was good for them. Read, God knows better than we do, what will bring us most joy. And telling people good news turns out to be more joyful than online shopping or arguing with the vicar. Who knew? Being a witness to God's good news is not really another thing we have to do. Rather, it is a way of describing who we already are. Do our neighbors know us as people of peace? Do we give and even more receive hospitality half as much as the 72 seem to be doing in this passage? It's as if Luke knows that we might need encouragement, especially in dark times to keep playing our part, and hence, this passage, this good story about Jesus, this reminder from Luke that there is more joy in loving others than in looking after number one. I want to conclude by reflecting a moment on Luke the man, Luke the gospel writer, and the model he himself has given us of being a witness. Uh, many traditions call him Saint Luke in that particular New Testament sense of the word saint that meant someone who is sanctified or set apart for God, or in other words, a Christian, and in particular, one whose example is worth pondering.
Luke, I think, would have liked that general New Testament sense of the word. He was a behind-the-scenes man. He wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. You might not have guessed that, uh, since he wrote only two books, while the Apostle Paul wrote a good dozen or so letters. But Paul's letters were relatively short. I know it doesn't feel like that when you're reading them. Uh, and Luke's two books, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, are the longest of the whole New Testament. If you do it by word length, Luke is the longest and Acts is the second longest in the New Testament. So Luke played a major role in the production of Holy Scripture. As to what we actually know about him, the answer is very little. Colossians mentions our dear friend Luke the doctor, which is where we get the uh, idea that Luke was indeed a doctor. He's mentioned a couple of other times in the New Testament, and according to parts of the book of Acts, he seems to have traveled with Paul quite a bit. Sometimes the book talks about what we are up to, uh, Luke and Paul and others, presumably. But all in all, there's not much to go about. Go on, uh, not much to go on about Luke, the man. Not much material for any future Hollywood biopic about St. Luke. And I can't help feeling that Luke would have wanted it to be that way. Because he would have said, don't look at me, look at my book. And the reason he wrote his book, which he very helpfully explains for us at the beginning of the Gospel in chapter 1, is to set the record in order about Jesus, about who he was, what he did, what he taught, and ultimately how his life death and resurrection brought everything to fulfillment. Did he catch that note in our psalm today that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds? Well, says Luke, all God's promises from ages past and more so are fulfilled and poured out on us in Christ. And by the time he had finished telling it, that was the gospel of Luke or the good news according to Luke. Do you struggle with a sense of being oppressed? Luke assures us there is hope. Are you brokenhearted? Jesus comes to bind your wounds. Do you feel trapped, captive? Jesus offers liberty. Are you imprisoned, literally for some of Luke's hearers, uh, by fears or doubts or worries for others? Then he promises release. So as we remember Luke, let us remember him for what he would have wanted to be remembered for, as a witness to the greatest story ever told. Indeed, by the time he'd finished writing as one of the four authorized tellers, of the greatest story ever told, along with the other gospel writers. And I have a suggestion for those of us who would like to honor him. It's a simple suggestion, but it might have unexpected consequences. Sometime over the next few days, maybe even today, find yourself, if you can, an hour and a half or so when you can sit quietly and think and turn to Luke's first book, the Gospel of Luke, and just read it through 
from start to finish. I'm pretty sure he would have been amazed and perhaps a little dismayed to discover that 2,000 years later, we like to read his book by chopping it up into tiny sections and having it constantly interrupted by preachers like me telling you what it really means. I've just got a text from Luke. He liked that point. If you've never read the Gospel of Luke straight through all in one go before, I think you'll be surprised and not a little encouraged to see how it works out. And in so doing, I think we would be remembering Luke in a way that would bring joy to his heart. Luke the Evangelist, friend of Paul, witness to the way of Jesus Christ. Let us give thanks. We thank you, Lord, for Luke and the story of Jesus that he passes on to us. Fill our lives with that good news so that it overflows to all those around us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.